Looking to take your career or small business to the next level? Well, you've come to the right place. This is the Melissa Washington Show with your host, Melissa Washington. Welcome to the Melissa Washington Show, and my guest today is Jim Carmen. He is a retired U.S. Navy captain and also currently the director of the Transition Center at MOAA. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Melissa, very much for the invitation. It's a great honor to be with you today. Absolutely. So, Jim, I, I want to talk about your your naval career and transitioning to a pilot and where you are today with um, MOAA and also too so we had connected we've never met which which one thing I love about social media is you're able to connect with people via LinkedIn and to be able to make that connection and um, also too you're so kind to contribute to my book as well and I, I really appreciate that and hopefully one day we will meet um, in the in the near future, but I, again, I appreciate you taking the time um, to be on my podcast here today. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity uh, to be a contributor to your book. Uh, we've circulated that amongst our network here uh, at the Military Officers Association. We think it's a great primer uh, to help someone get a career transition started, and we're honored to play a supporting role in that uh, in that in that work of yours. Thank you. That's fantastic. So, so tell me, when you decided to to join the Navy, let's go let's go back a little bit. Why why the Navy? Was that something you wanted to do? A million years a ago, right after the dinosaurs <laughs> died. Yes, I, I I was always oriented towards uh, military service for a variety of reasons, and I had some mentors when I was a young person who were fairly successful Navy pilots, and and that provided that provided a, a great example of something to help me organize my life when I was young. And I was in the hunt for a Naval Academy appointment, but I had more B's than A's uh, at a time when I needed to have a few more A's. So I ended up going to the Navy ROTC program at the University of South Carolina, which was a great experience. And that led to a commission in the Navy. And I was privileged to serve for 25 years uh, my last flying assignment was as the wing commander um, at the Naval Air Station at Whidbey Island, Washington, with responsibility for about 70 airplanes and about 2,500 people in the maritime patrol and reconnaissance business across the Pacific Fleet and into the Indian Ocean and the Persian Gulf. And even the best parties don't last forever. And sooner or later, I had to get a real job. And as I left active duty in the military in 1998, I was very inclined to stay close to my knitting. I was comfortable with airplanes. I was comfortable with aviation. And so I decided to join American Airlines, uh, where I flew airplanes for another 13 and a half years. Most of that time was spent in the Boeing 737-800 uh, new generation aircraft. Got it. So looking back on your, your naval career um, as, you know, as a young officer and then as an officer that's leading, um, you know, you said, what, 2,500 um, you know, sailors. So what, what are some key things that you take away from that time in the military that um, are some, whether they're different attributes or skills that you're able to apply today? 
Well, the military is is real good, I think, at taking young people and turning them into very responsible citizens with good organizational skills and a predetermined career path that can keep one focused in an appropriate direction, um, emphasizing educational opportunities, lots of opportunities for professional growth. In addition to flying airplanes, I had a chance to go to graduate business school uh, through programs that the Navy sponsored. And I also had a lot of opportunity to see some great leaders in action and also to, to, to have the opportunity to fill a couple of leadership roles as a as an aircraft commander when I was a very young officer, as a squadron commander when I was a mid-grade officer, and then as a wing commander uh, as a senior officer. And those experiences, those, those soft skills, if you will, uh, the ability to connect with people, the ability to, to uh, build coalitions and organize people around, around common sense solutions to problems, uh, taking care of the little things to make someone's life a little bit more pleasant. Uh, those are skills that we can take with us to any job. And most of us who are successful in military service uh, leave with some pretty good transferable skills, um, organization, commitment to taking care of people, uh, the ability to work well on teams, and, and those skills will stand you in good stead anywhere, whether it's in the airline business or any other kind of business. No, definitely, most definitely. So you came a pilot with American Airlines. So what made you, because you pretty much went, in, in a sense, in a different direction, but of course you did a lot of the skills that you um, had during the military. So you got into more of like career management. You looked like you started serving on boards. What, what was that transition point? What, what, what came up that you kind of took this transition sure. from pilot to that? sure. I was I was uh, flying for American Airlines, and there's a fair amount of free time in the airline pilot lifestyle, despite what people might tell you to the contrary. Um, those guys aren't exactly overworked. <laughs> there's a fair <laughs> amount of free time. Some of them are. I need to be careful with, with, with sweeping general statements. That can get me in trouble. But most airline pilots have a fair amount of downtime. You can't always pick and choose your downtime, but there's a fair amount of downtime. And I was approached by the Navy Personnel Command uh, to play a role in some pilot retention programs in the very light, late 90s and the early 2000s as a resource speaker uh, talking about reasons why one might want to stay in uniform and if, if you had made the, con made the decision to leave, uh, talking about some of the things one needs to do to successfully market yourself as an airline as an airline pilot and uh, that work uh, caught some national visibility and I was given the opportunity to write a couple of essays on pilot transitions for a couple of national periodicals and that work was recognized by a consulting group in Atlanta that specialized in placing in placing uh, transitioning military pilots in commercial aviation and that work was recognized by Wright Management. 
which is a large nationwide corporate outplacement firm uh, transitioning mid-level and senior people uh, out of one uh, company and into another company. The business is known as corporate outplacement. And I became a career management consultant with Wright Management, which allowed me to branch out of just doing aviation-related transitions uh, to a broader corporate focus. And that set the stage for me to join the Military Officers Association in 2012. Uh, and after a couple of internal reorganizations, I now lead uh, four practice areas at Military Officers Association. We have a full-service career management consulting practice, which led us to have a relationship uh, and contribute to your book from our work here in career management consulting. We also have a benefits and financial education practice where we provide the military community with a lot of information on uh, financial benefits uh, from military service that they will take with them into civilian life when they hang their uniform up for the last time, and also healthcare education so that someone can move from a military-focused healthcare system to a civilian-focused healthcare system and then eventually transition to Medicare when they get to that point in their lives. Uh, we also assist all veterans here in this operation with development and filing and when necessary appeal of VA disability claims and we have a fourth practice area that's focused on military caregivers. There are a large number of people from multiple generations that are currently serving as military caregivers. This is a special group of people uh, who need uh, some support uh, in the legal area and in the financial area and Military Officers Association maintains some online resources and also some live resources to assist military caregivers with legal and financial challenges. So it started out as career management consulting and then it broadened into those additional areas of financial and healthcare education, veterans, uh, disability claims, and, and military caregiver support. And with your location, so do you have one physical location? Do you have offices throughout the U.S.? How is MOA set up? Our, our, our office, our, our organization is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, just south of Washington, D.C. We have one satellite office that is actually in the Pentagon. We're one of the very few uh -huh. uh, veteran service organizations that actually has a presence in the Pentagon. And then for programs in other regions of the country, my team travels uh, to provide career management information and financial and healthcare education information, basically at all the big military bases. At some time during the year, uh, we're going to be on all the big bases. In fact, during, during 2014, uh, the team that I am responsible for here at Military Officers Association provided about 290 facilitations nationwide on career management best practices and financial education. And these presentations connected us with about 11,400 11,400 currently serving military people and military spouses and veterans. So we all, we all go our separate ways from Alexandria, Virginia, and we're on all the big bases at one time or another during the year. Got it. So with the, um, the military officer, the association, so it's a membership-based. So in order to get these services, you have to be a member. How does that work? 
Well, we 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 are a membership organization and you have to be a currently serving or former military officer or a survivor of a military officer to be a member of the Military Officers Association. But as military officers, we feel a huge responsibility to take care of the people with whom we served when we were on active duty. And so we make a lot of our services available to the extended military community and to military spouses. The program of career information, which we call Marketing Yourself, is offered on all the major bases uh, for officers and for enlisted people and for military spouses. There are some what I'll call, what I'll call uh, higher engagement services, such as interview preparation, negotiation support, and developing a self-marketing plan which we have to reserve for our members just because of limitations in how much uh, we can do here with a, with a relatively small team. But we still provide a lot of marketing yourself support to the extended military community through our nationwide series of seminars. Got it. And you have a great LinkedIn group, which are, you um, are very active on um, having continually posting, sending out announcements. And anybody can join that group, correct? That's right. The LinkedIn Career Networking Group exists to connect all military people uh, in an online dialogue uh, to share best practices. There are a lot of recruiters that are in this LinkedIn Career Networking Group. Uh, you can go to LinkedIn Groups and search MOA, M-O-A-A, Career Networking, and this, this online group is open to anyone who has an interest in career transition. We post an essay every Friday afternoon on some aspect of career transition. Last Friday, the essay was on use of business cards, which is something that a lot of people don't think about, but it's nice to have a card to yep. present to someone when you meet at a career fair or when you meet at some kind of a networking venue. Uh, they're cheap, and they help you present a very polished appearance. And we provided some ideas last Friday on how to, on how to use a business card in support of your self-marketing plan. And the essay that's going to come out tomorrow afternoon will speak to some of the nuances involved in filing a veteran's disability claim. A large number of people who leave active duty every year are filing disability claims with the Department of Veterans Affairs so that they will be compensated for some of the injuries they sustained on active duty or some of the or some of the health problems they might experience in later life as a result of military service and congress has authorized a number of programs uh, for veterans and survivors of veterans and and uh, we provide we're we're honored to provide uh, to provide that degree of support that's fantastic. So what do you see now? So you, you've been with um, MOA for a, f a few years. So what are you seeing? I mean, and, and I could tell even you've actually expanded services, so you're seeing more needs in different areas, not just the career transition. But with that, so if you look at today, 2015, compared to last year this time, are you seeing any changes as far as military members' transition, as far as their their needs or lack of jobs or more jobs or are they coming prepared, not prepared? What are you seeing out there? 
Well, I think, I think it's fair to say that this is a recovery that still feels like a recession to many uh-huh. Americans. There are about 535,000 unemployed veterans uh, as of the March 2015 unemployment report, which comes out on the first Friday of every month for the preceding month. Tomorrow, we're going to have a report for the April unemployment numbers, which will be out on the first Friday in May. And, and where do you get that from? Numbers, we get it from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Mm-hmm. The business press, the business press, does a pretty good job of picking up on the report, which is announced at 8:30 East Coast time on the first Friday of every month. I expect it's going to show about five and a half percent unemployment, which is little change from the current level probably about 8.5 million total unemployed, and of those 8.5 million total unemployed, about 535,000 are veterans. And the employment picture is generally improving. We're adding about 200,000 jobs per month, but there's a lot of competition for jobs, about 380 applications based on information that we have here at Military Officers Association from our network, about 380 applications for every posted job. And so it's very important that you have a market-ready resume that's free of typographical errors. Typographical errors are like kryptonite. And, and it's really important that you follow up. We had a work group of corporate recruiters with us here two weeks ago Uh, They represented some big companies in the defense industry. Uh, They represented one major not-for-profit that uh, serves the military community. And we had a couple people here from smaller organizations that, that are in different lines of business. And all of them said they love veterans, they love military spouses, but they said one of the recurring problems that this work group has is they don't follow up. They don't follow up. And if you're talking about breaking out of 300-plus applications for every job, it's very, very important that you follow up via email or via phone call because despite their best intentions, sometimes recruiters are going to misplace a resume or, or, or forget to make a follow-up phone call or not get through their email. And so you have to be your own advocate and follow up at reasonable intervals uh, in your in your job uh, process with every firm uh, to which you apply. Absolutely. So with that, and you've also actually shared some great tips, would there be any other additional tips that you would add to that? Well, the two, the two biggest areas we see where military people and actually everyone in transition could stand some more improvement is expanding your network we suggest to our our clients in transition, we suggest one contact a day, one contact a day, uh, and, and most people are going to spend way too much time in front of computers. Job boards and, and online applications, uh, that's a part of it. It's an essential part of it, but most people today are getting jobs through personal relationships, which they have to nurture one at a time, and we suggest as a reasonable milestone, uh, one contact per day. And then when you do get those leads that can lead to propitious connections, you have to follow up. And if someone tells you that they're going to be back in touch on the 8th of May, 
after they talk to these 11 finalists and you're one of the 11 finalists and if you don't hear anything on the 8th of May, then on Monday morning, you ought to be calling them back or maybe writing them an email, but circling back in some form uh, to check in. And the best companies will do a good job of keeping you informed of how the search process is unfolding, but it always takes longer than people expect and there's always a need on the part of the candidate for follow-up. Absolutely, absolutely. So the, the best ways for if somebody is interested in the Military Officers Association, one of its, of course, the LinkedIn group, which they can join immediately for the group. Yes. Also, they can go to moaa.org. Am I correct? You can go to moaa.org and you'll see a very nice overview of the, of the work that we're involved in. You could also write me if you wanted more information. It's jimc, J-I-M-C, at moaa.org. You would get a nice overview on the website of the work that we're involved in to serve the military community and also the career transition practice that you and I have been talking about. If you are interested in having a relationship with MOA but have not served as a military officer or are not a veteran, then we have a subsidiary organization called Voices for America's Troops. You can find them at uh, Voices for Troops, voicesfortroops.org. That's a subsidiary organization for people who support the objectives of the Military Officers Association but haven't actually served as military officers. And you would, be, you would have a chance to take advantage of many of the services uh, that we offer to MOA members to support career transitions as well as the other areas that we talked about earlier. Well, that's fantastic. I wasn't even aware of that organization. Thank you for sharing. So is there anything as we wrap up here that you would like to share, um, whether it's with a, for a spouse or someone that's getting ready to transition, or maybe you know, they transitioned out of the military a while ago, but they're in another transition because we're, all, we're always transitioning, right? So it's just like you know, what is just you know, one or two things that you really just, if you could share with someone um, that might make a difference to them right now, what would that be? Well, I would mention one thing focused on employers because you may have some employers uh, that like to follow your work, Melissa. And for employers who have never had experiences with hiring veterans, I would ask you to consider military service on par with an undergraduate degree. And when you go about advertising jobs and looking for candidates, a lot of employers will use the four-year degree just as an initial screening to try to limit the pool of potential candidates because there's so many candidates applying for positions that are posted. And I think that the skills that the typical military person acquires in the course of serving are certainly equal to the skills that the average liberal arts graduate has as a result of their undergraduate experience. So I think that an employer would do themselves a great favor if they would broaden the aperture just a little bit and consider undergraduate degrees or military service as a hiring prerequisite when you post a job. Consider that only 23% 
only 23% of the US of the of young people in the US are qualified for military service so you're talking about a pre-screen group that brings a wealth of experience working with other cultures working with other socioeconomic groups being a contributor to a team so that's my message to to employers is to appreciate the value of a, of a veteran and for military people in transition a lot of military people are locked in on returning to a particular geographic area and there are some corners of the country where the economy is just booming and there are other corners of the country where there are very very limited opportunities and incredibly robust competition for those limited opportunities so I would say be geographically mobile as you can as you as you conclude your military service be geographically mobile and try to follow uh, leads to locations of the country where there are good employment opportunities for you and also for your spouse if you happen to be if you happen to be married as you leave military service I hope that speaks to the two uh, two issues that you were uh, looking for absolutely you know and I, I couldn't agree with you more on the whole employer um, piece as I see you know a lot of employers want to be veteran friendly but they want to put veterans at entry-level positions so if we can you know take a look at that just because they've served the military they shouldn't just be put into entry-level positions a lot of them have skills to you know to be in leadership positions and taking that experience um, as an you know if they don't have the degree taking that experience instead of the degree and I think that's an education process too uh, you know to work with employers on um, hiring veterans um, as well and so. the one other organization that comes to mind and I, 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 pro I provide this information just because they have a superlative track record in helping to place veterans we do not have a business relationship with this organization but the International Franchise Association at franchise.org has a, a committee specifically focused on helping military members uh, transition to civilian employment success and it's called the VetFran committee and a lot of people who have experience in franchise operations say it's like being on your own but without being by yourself because of the structure uh, and the support uh, that the best franchisors uh, provide to their franchisees and the vet fran committee at the international franchise association since 2011 has actually helped place about 203,000 that's a big number wow. 203,000 veterans in franchising either as franchise owners or as franchise employees so franchise.org with a look at uh, the vet fran section of that home page will lead you to some entrepreneurial opportunities where you have a chance to work for yourself without being by yourself no that's that's a fantastic resource and I know too a lot of franchises give um, discounts um, as far as startup fees um, for for veterans so that's that's fantastic they do, they do they do they have some very attractive programs in terms of discounts on the franchising uh, to get started in the franchise and they have some uh, discounts on the financing 
to support entry into a franchise operation. So between the discounts to uh, purchase the franchise and the and the attractive financing, uh, it becomes a very it becomes a very attractive deal. And I would encourage your listeners uh, to explore. Uh, the VetFran option at the uh, International Franchise Association if they have an entrepreneurial streak. Or if they want to have the security of a big company and and a regular paycheck, there are a lot of veteran-friendly companies that you can identify through their presence at, say, the J.P. Morgan Chase 100,000 Jobs Mission, which which has placed a huge number of veterans uh, with veteran-friendly companies. Military Officers Association runs a quarterly virtual career fair. You can read more about that at moa.org slash career fair. Uh, the next one is coming up on the 27th of May. We'll have about 600 veterans in transition with about, connecting with about 30 companies. And the advantage of the virtual platform is that a military person anywhere in the world uh, can begin the process of connecting with an HR team and building a relationship that you talk about in your book uh, that is so important to a favorable hiring decision. Now that's great. I mean, you know, the internet and social media opens us up to global, so you can be, you know, you're stationed in, you know, Okinawa or somewhere, you can be on this this virtual job fair because maybe you're getting ready to transition. Um, what a great opportunity for people that are stationed overseas as well. That's one of the reasons we're involved in this program, Melissa, because we think as an officer's association, it's important to do all we can to serve the entire military community. And we're concerned about the Marine in Okinawa, the soldier in Kuwait who has to leave the military on a, on a pretty tight timeline, maybe as short as five or six months, and is on the other side of the world where it's very difficult to make those connections. So the virtual career fair platform at moa.org slash career fair is, is one of the answers, one of the answers for, uh, for that family. Wow, fantastic. Jim, this was, this was great. You gave so much information. Even I learned a couple things. So this was fan, fantastic. So for the listeners, um, Military Officers Association, moaa.org is the website to find um, more information. Join the LinkedIn group. We got the voicesfortroops.org if you're not a military um, member. And also, too, you shared about the franchise.org and taking a look at the vet fran. Great, fantastic resources. Um, and Jim, I again, thank you so much for your time and appreciate all that you're doing uh, for um, our, our military and their spouses. And I'm a veteran and I'm a, a military spouse as well, so I, I, I truly appreciate um, you helping all of our brothers and sisters out there. Um, to, to have a successful transition into the civilian world there. Thank you very much. And I'll just uh, do one more shameless plug. If you no, don't absolutely. mind, uh, Mil Mil Military Officers Association runs a very high-quality military spouse professional development program. We do three seminars a year. We've had one so far in 2015 in... In, uh, this is a quiz, and let's see if I can remember. We, I am so embarrassed. I'm blocking on where we did this seminar uh, earlier this year, Virginia Beach. We did a seminar in Virginia Beach. We did a second seminar in Washington, D.C. We'll do a third seminar on the 14th of October in Tampa, Florida. And this is a day completely focused on military spouses to connect them with other successful military spouses to help them 
connect with educational opportunities, professional development opportunities, to deal with black holes on their resume because so many military spouses have to exit the workforce at some point to be a full-time parent, particularly while the currently serving member is deployed. You can read more about this at moa.org slash spouse programs. Oh, great. Well, if you guys come out to the West Coast, I'd love to uh, participate and uh, be able to share with some of the spouses. We're looking at the 2016 schedule, schedule now, and we expect to be on the West Coast at some point uh, with this program. Great. And I can send you a little background, or Melissa, so you'll have a little bit more detail on our military spouse program. Oh, very good. Fantastic. Yeah, you know, I think I'm a little more sensitive to the spouses having got – got out of the military, then I married a Marine, so I, I can relate to that too. And so many times we forget about the spouse too. So the military members getting out and transitioning, and, there's, and also times they also have a spouse that needs to look for work as well. So um, we can't forget and, about the and spouses. And a lot, of, a lot of military spouses are dealing with big black holes uh, in, their, in their resume, which is easy to overcome through volunteer experiences. And, and some military spouses have to spend significant parts of time in the country, in parts of the country where there are very limited employment opportunities, even under the best of circumstances. So oh, yeah. this is a this is this series of seminars is designed to empower and inform uh, military spouses about the career options that are available to them and help them with workforce reentry uh, or workforce entry if they haven't had the opportunity to work outside the home, or maybe to prepare for the next step up in their professional development. I love it. That's great. I look forward to looking at that information. And I'll send you some more background material on that as soon as we finish today. And thank great. you so much for the work, for the, for the book that you wrote, and for the information that you're sharing. And please don't let us let us support uh, your work whenever we can. No, definitely. It's the feelings mutual. So, um, again, moa.org, Jim Carmen, thank you so much um, for your time. And I'm sure if you know listeners have questions or want to learn more about the organization, we've shared the contact information um, there as well. And again, uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Melissa. Nice to talk to you. Good night. Night. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Melissa Washington Show. Branding, career transitioning, marketing, you name it, she's got you covered. Head on over to MelissaWashington.com to stay up to date and get access to past shows. We'll see you next time.